When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, I'm joined today by Peter Kokoros. Uh, did I pronounce your name right, Peter? Uh, you did, actually, yeah. Not everyone does, but you, you got it right there on the first try. Oh, well, I do appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about the 15 top offensive line prospects in this year's draft. I ordered them in terms of the Ravens system, Peter, and I know uh, you know you may have done it a little bit differently, but uh, uh, you do it in terms of the Ravens system, in terms of how you valued them. How did you? What was your ranking basis? You know, it was kind of a combination of of both, um, as I think you'll see when we get through the list. It was kind of hard to do it just on how the Ravens. Um, 
how they fit into the Ravens scheme, especially considering that the Ravens draft philosophy of drafting best man on the board. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a bit of a mix of, um, how the player ranks on the board versus how they fit in the Ravens scheme. Okay. Well, looking forward to this. We've got a great show with, uh, your partner on Ravens recap, uh, Alec, uh, Pulianis, right, who who did a great job with the wide receivers, and we had a very fun back-and-forth show on, on that, and looking forward to doing this with you on the offensive line. Absolutely. Really looking forward to getting into it. All right. Well, I wanted to hit on one topic first, because the more each day passes, and even with the notion of America getting back to work and things returning to quote-unquote normal, I guess it really means the new normal, there really hasn't been talk of getting stadiums of people together again. And I, I don't think it's likely to happen for the NBA or NHL this summer to finish the season. Maybe they've got some kind of plan that would work. And I'm fearful that we're at a point where the NFL may not be able to play in front of fans. But uh, wondering what your thoughts are on the matter and, and if they had a mandate that they could have only partial capacity, say 50% capacity or 20 or 25,000 per game would be allowed, but not 70,000, let's say, how they might handle it. You know, Ken, that's an interesting idea that I actually hadn't thought about yet. Um, I haven't read too much on different people's opinions, but the way I was really thinking of it was an all or nothing um, way of doing it. Um, now, the way you're describing is kind of a um, compromise between those two. And I could see that working. Um, Unfortunately, I think full capacity for stadiums, unless huge um, progress is made with our ability to uh, ramp up testing, might be tough. I'm just imagining that that front gate that we know is so so tough to get into at Ravens Stadium if you get yeah, to the game point. too late. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's kind of hard to look at it from this far out, but I could see that as one possibility that could at least get heavy consideration from the NFL and other other sports leagues. Yeah, the practicality of making people sit in their own section is something the Ravens have to address on another level. I mean, one thing we sit in in you know nice midfield seats. There's a lot of squatting in our seats. There's always people there when we get there who obviously are in our are in our seats. Uh, which is which is fine, but but we, you know we have to move them and whatnot. The question comes if you have a half full stadium and they're trying to enforce half the people being in each section, you have to have a much higher level of management of the ushers and whatnot to make sure people are in the right section than you've ever had before. Because it's going to be natural that people are going to say, well, that, that's, that's, that section is half empty. I'll just go down there and, uh, and sit. But if, you, if, you know, if you're really trying to space people out and, and employ social distancing, it, it would be a very difficult thing to enforce at a stadium, I would think. Yeah, I agree with that. And then also, I think another thing that NFL stadiums will have to consider is, you know, if someone does, if people are still testing positive for the virus during the, the NFL season and they have to make a list of where were the last places they went, you know, in the last two weeks. And that'll include an NFL game. You have to wonder what kind of impact that will have. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of tough questions that sports leagues uh, we'll have to answer and kind of feels like every every day we're kind of getting like a, a week's worth amount of new 
knowledge and ideas on on this virus and how how we're handling it as a society. Yeah, moving very very quickly, that's for sure. The news changes so rapidly. All right, well, let's get back to the to the topic of the day and kind of get off the downer and talk about the interior offensive lineman. This is an area, obviously, of need for the Ravens, uh, at least for depth. They may have five starters that they like or that they can deal with anyway with Bozeman at left guard, McCary at center, and Powers at right guard, if that's the way it shakes out. Two tackles, obviously, in Stanley and Brown they like. But that interior offensive line with the, with the departure of James Hurst is now uh, thin at best. No, you're absolutely right. And um, Ben Powers, um, I saw you gave him a, a really good rating uh, as far as his offensive line grade during the Pittsburgh Steelers game. But that's really all we really know about him so far. So um, we don't know yet if he's going to be the guy to uh, take over for Yonda. And we don't know how uh, Skur is going to come back from that injury. So uh I think the Ravens will definitely be looking for guys who um, will be depth guys, like you said, um, and at least one guy who, if necessary, would be ready to start uh, on day one. Yeah, you know, I've been real unfair to Matt Skura in this because he played very well and uh, is frankly a significant step up from McCary in my mind. But if if he's actually able to play, the boost that would give to the Ravens would be enormous because if they draft a guard, they'd really have three guards to make two, I think, from Bozeman, Powers, and a draftee. They'd have McCary as a backup at either at either slot as well, so they really have five interior linemen. And, that, and then maybe the focus would even shift a little bit to who's the offensive tackle they can get. And there are a couple guys in this guard group who I think will be converted from tackle, but are guys who could potentially play tackle in an emergency. Yeah, definitely. There are definitely some guys who um, either played both positions in college from what I saw from the scouting reports or um, maybe played tackle, but NFL scouts think their body at the NFL level is going to be more suitable at guard. Um, So, yeah, I could definitely see the Ravens picking uh, a guy who falls into one of those two categories. All right. All right. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, I'll let you. You're the guest. Why don't you start with your number one rated offensive lineman? Thanks, Ken. So my number one rating um, is probably not going to come as, you know, a surprise to too many people listening. Uh, Cesar Ruiz has been a guy who's been at the top of a lot of people's um, rankings for uh, interior centers. Um, I really like what I saw from him on tape to how, you know, he seems to be a guy who um, isn't really easily gotten out of his stance um, by the defenders, not pushed around a lot. Uh, solid on run block, uh, pretty good pass block. And you've got that Michigan connection, obviously, between uh, John and Jim. So the Ravens might have a little, little more intel on him. But um, it seems some... Scouts kind of compare him to more of a like a Marquise Pouncey type, which is, you know, good comparison. Uh, Marquise Pouncey has obviously uh, been a very successful center in the NFL. So uh, Cesar Ruiz looks like he would be a pretty safe pick if the Ravens went that way. He's a top end guy. Uh, he's my number two guy. I like the fact that he's uh, he's only going to be 21 this season. 
that's a that's a big positive because there are some linemen who are up to 24 years old, a couple guards uh, in this group, in fact. And that's a big difference in second contract value. So a guy like Ruiz being young is a is a positive thing. I like a lot of the things you say, but a lot of his movement into level two is good. I don't think he has the great anchor uh, for the NFL necessarily, but he does have very long arms, good solid upper body. Um, you know, 33 and an eighth arms for a center, by the way, is quite long. You get up into 34, that's what you expect out of your tackles. And you get down into 32 and you start getting worried. And there are some players even under 32 in this group. Uh, you know, I look at Ruiz in terms of his uh, big hands and good length there as being a guy who, who probably can at least play the back end of double teams and hopefully also be flexible enough to be the guy who climbs to level two and makes block. But a lot of the Ravens' interior run schemes depend on double teams. And uh, Ruiz is certainly a guy who could do that. I don't like him enough to take him at number 28. I think there's too many other more significant needs for the Ravens, and there's too little of a drop-off from Ruiz to the next couple of people for me to want to take him at number 28. He's not, in fact, my top guy, but I wouldn't take the other guy at 28 either. Uh, and so I don't think the Ravens will end up getting him because I don't think he'll last to 55. I think there are too many teams out there who think we need a center specifically aren't generally looking to fill an interior offensive line position. So uh, the Ravens will either take him at 28, which I don't think they'll do, or some other team will get him before 55. The other possibility is the Ravens trade down to maybe the 40th pick. If that were to happen, then they'd, then they'd be in the running for Ruiz again, I think. Anything else? We'll move on. If um, not. Yeah, we can move on to the next guy. All right. So my, my number one guy, Jonah Jackson of Ohio State, uh, 6'3", 306, 33 and a half inch arms, so even longer than Ruiz. A lot of things I like about this guy, but I'd be really surprised based on the amount of effort he puts in that he would not be a red star player from one of the scouts. Now, to just remind people, the Ravens on the individual plaques that they keep, or used to keep, I should say, it's been 10 years since I've seen their, you know, an interior board there, but they... It would put a red star on players identified by an individual scout as embodying the way the Ravens play football. And uh, and I, I there's probably more to it than that, but that's the way I, I, I kind of understand it. And there's other dots they have. A pink dot is a four-year starter, and a half pink dot was a three-year starter. And, a, and a, the other thing, what was the other thing? A black dot, an injury or an off-field concern. You don't want a black dot. Uh, so anyway, Jonah Jackson, my guess, is a red star guy for at least some scout. Very powerful upper, upper body. And in particular with a guard, you want the ability to generate torque, which is a lot about upper body strength. Because you're basically pulling with one arm and pushing with the other to turn the opposing defensive tackle. Yonda had it in spades. It allowed him to quickly pivot to open the gate, as I say, on the front side of a pull. So... They they used Yonda less to pull and more to open the gate in the later years of his career for a couple of reasons. But the main reason was that he was better at opening the gate than whoever they had on the left side. So they had, uh, uh, you know, Bozeman is no more mobile than Yonda, I don't think. But Yonda is really the better guy for uh, for getting the torque necessary on the defensive tackle to make sure that hole is open. And that's, that's what I really see in Jonah Jackson. That's why I like him so much. Again, not a guy I would take a 28. Um he would be a big value at 55. I don't think he'll still be there. 
so anyway, I think the Ravens, if they're going to get him, will really have to trade down in that first round. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points with uh, Jackson. Um, I had him kind of high on my list as well, but not uh, as high as you have as number one. Um, had him come in at six. Um, I hadn't really read about what you said about um, how well he's handling his torque, which um, is very insightful. Um, I did see he's has very good uh, technique, and he's um, shown ability to play all three positions along the interior line. Um, so he could be someone who the Ravens could plug in, uh, depending on if either Powers isn't up to snuff or Orskura has injury is lagging more. Um, one note I did see against him that uh, I wanted your opinion on was I saw some scouts say that um, his uh, his NFL physique, his body, um, wasn't as good as some other guys on the list. I wasn't sure if that would be something that the, uh, might give the Ravens pause or if that's something with um, some time in the weight room could be uh, fixed. Well, you know, a lot of weight room problems, they can fix your upper body strength, but they may be referring to lower body build, which is much harder to fix. So you have a, you have a, Mayak calls it sand in the pants you want to see in your, in terms of your guard, keep you carrying your weight lower in your body is a good thing. So they're, you know, it's pear shaped people who are generally, uh, you know, we don't find as attractive in the general population. I'll say, I, I, I take a risk with that statement. It's a, it's a general cultural thing that we've shown a, a, a desire for, but in terms of guards, they're the most attractive people of all, of course, in terms of, of, uh, wanting to have a, a body that, that has a lot of your weight, uh, in the rear end and whatnot. So anyway, it's, uh, it's something we, you know, you can't necessarily easily fix that once that they're, they're at the NFL level. You can, you can work on your legs. Some, you can do things to increase your thigh size, I guess, but it's much easier to build upper body strength. All right. Your turn to go to number three. If you're good with, uh, if you didn't have additional comments on Jonah, uh, nope. Ready to move on. Uh, my second guy on the list is, Again, uh, not creative when you look at other lists that are out there, but um, I do like some things I'm seeing from Lloyd Cushenberry, center out of LSU. Um, a big guy. I think he's... I think I have him down here at 6'3", but I thought I saw he was 6'7". I could be wrong about that. Um, had a strong yeah, senior he's not, performance. he's not 6'7". <laughs> okay, That's right. I'll, find it. I'll another, find out what you're talking about. But yeah, he had a strong showing at the senior bowl, which, um, the Ravens have shown in the past is something they really look at. Um, I saw one scout, uh, comment that he has freakishly long arms, which I guess kind of makes him, uh, the anti Macari in some ways. Um, yes. he played both, uh, center and guard from, uh, his time at LSU. Um, he does have, if you look at him, it looks kind of an, an awkward build, for a center, but if you look onto them tape, uh, he looks pretty athletic to me and really fluid with his legs. Um, some scouts have said there's, uh, concerns with his range, but, um, so I'm not 100% sure where I would want the Ravens to draft him. There's some scouts who seem really high on him and others who give some pause, but, um, I think he's definitely someone that could, fit in and be a starter on this Ravens team if they went that direction. All right. 
Cushionberry I have here is 6'3", 312, 34 and a quarter inch arms. So uh, those are great long tackle length lockout arms, particularly good in pass protection, but they can also help you get to the body quickly and grab on. He's got very big hands too, to try and generate some upper body torque that's, that's necessary. Um, you mentioned this, I think, briefly, is lateral movement has been a big issue with Cushenberry. Terrible, terrible pass blocking year for an NFL prospect this last year. You know, protecting Joe Burrow, lots of good other offensive linemen playing at LSU. And, you know, he had, a, he had just had a very difficult year as a pass blocker. And he, he needs to improve that before I would move him up at all. Looks like he's got the run blocking technique and, and a lot of the uh, inherent gifts you'd like in that. But uh, he needs to he needs to be able to again hold off the back end of double teams, which is something Skura does very well. Uh, we had Matt on the show one time, and he talked about go codes between him and Yanda. You don't even think about the fact that these guys can talk to each other right there and just say some magic word or whatever, like go, <laughs> and, uh, and and move from that. But he also mentioned that that Yanda sometimes would give him a little bump on the hip, uh, hip to hip bump to let him know that he was moving on or, or the other way around. But anyway, he needs to be able to hold the back end of that double team and and uh, and move to level two as needed and and make a block. One of the things that, that Cushenberry may or may not have yet is the ability to avoid lunging in level two. Those arms give him an enormous advantage. He should always be first to the punch. So he doesn't have to try and cut block a linebacker. He can always just basically maintain position I've seen that great stuff from that in terms of Miles Boykin at wide receiver as a run blocker. I think Lloyd Cushenberry should be a guy who can get out in space and block effectively if he doesn't get real lungy like we often see guards and centers get in level two. So I like him. He's the number three guy on my list, uh, and I would say he's another guy I like in probably the third round, and that tells you how thin this class is because I really have Jackson and Ruiz being second-round guys, nobody in the first round, and Cushenberry being a round three guy. I don't think he'll still be there at number 92 or wherever it is they're even strapped. It's late in round three. So uh, the Ravens would probably have to move up in round three to get him or move back out of their last pick in round two. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the mock drafts I've seen, he's going like late first round, early second round. Yeah, that that uh, if he goes that early, good luck to the team that gets him because that that's a that's a huge reach, and I, I don't see the Ravens jumping in value there. We've made the point this before, but I just want to want to state this in terms of JJ value. If you take the forty fifth best player at number twenty eight, you give up an enormous amount of value in doing so. Effectively, you give up value equivalent to I think it's the seventy sixth pick in the draft if you just use the JJ. Now, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't trade the 76 pick. So don't waste the 76 pick by reaching for players. It's too much value to uh, to lose when you when you make a reach like that. So if Cushenberry really is the 45th best player, they better not take him at number 28. And if he really is the 90th best player, um, they better not reach into the second round to get him either. And unfortunately, that's where I think he is. Just a, the poor pass blocking year, despite the fact I have him ranked fairly high on the list, third. I just I can't have him be a second round selection at that kind of uh, 2019 pass blocking year. 
Okay, so it's my turn to bring up the next player, right? Number four for me is Damian Lewis, Cushenberry's line mate and guard at LSU. 6'2", 327, 33-inch arms, so no issues there. Another guy I drafted in round three. Uh, he is the prototypical carrying a lot of weight, and he carries it low on his body. So he's got that, that uh, gourd-like shape, that pear shape uh, that you like to see in a guard. Uh very comfortable playing downhill and very explosive. It really showed up in the broad and vertical jumps, which are both outstanding for linemen and really mesh with that ability to play downhill. Uh, probably will be able to pull effectively. Um, I'm not as comfortable that he can be effective reacting as a pass blocker, uh, but he has good length and he has good size and, and will hopefully be able to continue to get that low pad level, get lower than that defender, uh, which should help some. It's just, it's very different. Run and pass blocking for offensive linemen. If you're a run blocker, you're effectively being the aggressor as a lineman. If you're being a pass blocker, you're being the reactor, or the, the defender, and it's very different. It's just, it's two very different skill sets. So Lewis is a guy that, that I'm sure can do the run blocking aspect. I'm not 100% sure he can do the pass blocking aspect. Round three guy for me, but uh, but I'd be excited if the Ravens got him there. Yeah, you bring up a great point with um, just how how different those two skill sets are, and you know, obviously you want to try and and draft a guy who's going to do both excellently, or at least has the potential to morph into that. But um, sometimes that that doesn't really how it works out. Um, I had Lewis a little lower on my list at number nine. Um, knocking him for kind of the reasons that you you said um he might have some issues in the passing game um and maybe isn't as athletic or quick as some other guys on the list but yeah certainly seems to have a really big upside in the, the run blocking department um and would would fit well in in the raven scheme if they did take him around the third or fourth round all right outstanding so who's your who's the next guy on your list then um so I don't know if we got a little out of order because I don't know if we talked about my number three guy yet. Um, I had uh, John Simpson from Clemson as my number three guy. Um, in some ways, he's he's similar to to Lewis. Uh, has a similar build at six four, three twenty one. Um, I've seen some NFL scouts compare him to uh, Kalechi Assembly, uh, especially in the way that he can play. Uh, both the guard and the the tackle position we talked at the beginning that might be something the Ravens are looking for. Um, he was a high leadership guy with LSU, got uh, elected team captain. Um, a lot of the, the one uh, highlight reel I was watching of him on uh, YouTube, just constantly showing him and, uh, you know, performing a pool block, which is, something that and a, and a guard in a Ravens offense is going to have to do effectively uh, quite often. Um, looks really well uh, coached there. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, again, pretty good in the run blocking department. Okay, I, I would I would basically agree. I think he's pretty raw, which honestly is a good thing in a player like that. You want to have something that's going to leave you additional ceiling to hit. And I think he's got that with the right coach. He's really, a, to me, he's a combine superstar uh, that, that I think 
He was num- number twelve on my list of the of the guards that are the interior offensive linemen I like. Uh, you mentioned long arms, thirty-four and an eighth again. So he's right up there with the longest arms in the class. Enormous hands at eleven inches. Um, what you don't really see much of, if you look at the tape, is any kind of lateral quickness. So if the if the if he was installed immediately at left guard, say, uh, which I think would be the position he'd be most likely to end up in, probably would take an injury to Bozeman or a move of Bozeman to center for that to happen. Um, you'd see a lot of issues, I think, with lateral quickness. Now, I think the Ravens can actually take a chance on lateral quickness guys who are a little bit short. And the reason is this, that when you talk about pass blocking, if you have guys who are stout um, anchors against the bull rush, that's actually more important with Jackson because you don't often get a two-way go as a defensive tackle. So the guys there are having to effectively two-gap and if they do decide they, they want to go either way, well, you might open up a big lane for a run for Jackson. So you're rushing the quarterback. You think you get, you, you're you going to have an advantage there, but then you have, you know, you, you, you create an opportunity for Jackson out of that. So I think the Ravens will do very well. And, and, you know, Orlando Brown, I think, was the one who was most positively impacted by the presence of Jackson to be there and to have a uh, opportunity to put his huge bull rush anchor in play. And when players tried to go to the outside, first of all, they didn't do it that often, but Brown uh, uh, was really able to to create better pass-blocking scoring for himself over the course of this season, at least in my system, uh, largely because defensive linemen couldn't take a chance on letting Jackson escape the pocket easily. But anyway, Simpson is a guy I like. I like him for the same reasons you do in terms of the run blocking. I don't think he's quite the earth mover that some of the other guys I have ahead of him are, but uh, we can talk about that as well. So you brought up Simpson first. I bring up the next guy. I think we're still in order, by the way. You're gonna we're gonna see some jumping around here. My number five guy is Robert Hunt of Louisiana. Now Louis, Robert Hunt is a guard tackle. He he actually played tackle at Louisiana at, on the right side, and the right guard at Louisiana was. Another very good one, Kevin Dotson, who's lower on my list. But it's amazing that a Sunbelt school would have two kind of top guys. They're both older prospects. I believe Hunt is going to be 24 this season. Uh, Hunt is 6'5", 322. He was injured. He didn't go to the combine. Um, Outstanding pass blocker versus some lesser competition. You'll see very few uh, total pass block counts if you look in the PFF uh, book. He's got a really massive body. Uh, he's certainly a guy who can push people around, uh, has the good arms to do that. Um, he's going to need coaching to learn the dance steps of pulling in the NFL. So since he's played tackle a lot, he's going to have to really learn how to how to pull from guard effectively. And some of that will, will may increase his ceiling or we may find new limitations. But my guess is probably there's more of a ceiling extender as possible from moving a guy like this who's played very well at right tackle into guard. And then you also have, of course, that versatility value that maybe you need this guy in an emergency to move back to tackle. I think he's more of a right tackle. I don't think he has the great feet, but he would allow you at least to potentially move Orlando Brown to the left side if something happened to Stanley or replace Orlando Brown if something happened to Brown. 
so I, I love him at, at a fifth uh, fifth pick, and again, he'd be a third-round guy for me, uh, Hunt. I don't think he'll last quite to 90, so it may be a case where the Ravens, again, have to make a choice in whether they trade back in round two or move up in round three or whatever it might be. So I actually also had Robert Hunt at number five for a lot of the reasons that you said. Um, uh getting a lot of high marks in the run game. But like you said, coming from a smaller school, uh, there's qu- questions about the competition. But the Ravens have had, you know, obviously with players like Brandon Williams and Matthew Judon, they seem to have a, a good eye for figuring out um, how the player's performance is uh, translates from that level to the NFL when it's, you know, actual talent where they're just dominating um lower competition, how to tell the, the difference between that. Um, but yeah, I do think still um, with him being from a smaller school is probably why I had him down a little lower on the list. Um, and maybe this isn't the right way to think about it long term, but I guess the fact, like you said, he might take some time to uh, transition his style to guard makes you think that he wouldn't be someone who maybe could fill in immediately at right guard uh, if, if there's an injury or if um, Powers is struggling. So, um, But again, you're drafting not just for this year, but long-term as well. So uh, they do pick him, and it takes some time for his development to get up there uh, for the interior. I think that would still be a good move at the right pick. All right. Who's your next guy on your list? Um. So at number four, I had, uh, again, picking someone a little higher on my list than you had, uh, Ben Bredesen, I believe that's how you say that, uh, from Michigan. Uh, so he's 6'5", 316, only 31-inch arm, so uh, he's a little on the uh, undersized as far as the arms are concerned, but um, what I really liked about him was you heard in the scouting reports that uh, he's got a lot of power and really good instincts at the center position and has a really good intelligence. Apparently, he scored the top Wonderlick among centers in the draft. I don't know if we really, if anyone really knows how useful the Wonderlick test is, but that's at least another data point. <laughs> um, he is, his athleticism is, you know, not as good as some other guys on the list. Um, some scouting reports I saw said he's going to need to get stronger and quicker at the next level in the NFL. Um, but you know, I think I looked up Yonda's, uh, scouting report, uh, before we did our episode on, uh, draft preview. And I believe I saw similar comments in, uh, the scouting report made by, um, whoever I I was, I was looking at for Yonda. Um, so not pointing that out there to say that he's going to be like Yonda, but I guess just saying that, um, if you read that in the scouting report, doesn't necessarily mean that the player can't improve on that. Um, so, yeah, I think that maybe he might be a little more of a developmental guy, um, but I think there are some intangibles that he has that could really help on the Ravens' offensive line. Yeah, that interior Michigan offensive line, just outstanding, by the way. All three left guard, center, right guard, all probably heading to the NFL, all probably draftees in the first uh, four or five rounds, at least. Uh, Bredesen is a guy, I'm not sure if how the Ravens feel about him. If they like him, I'm sure they like him for good reasons. 
uh, and and the, the intelligence thing sounds like a significant component if you're going to try and make him into a center. Of course, that's not the position he played at Michigan, but it, it could certainly be a, a position for him. Uh, he, I think you're right, would be more of a project. Arm length being an issue, we've got that right now with McCary. Sounds kind of similar to that, honestly. McCary, a very physical player otherwise, just gets shed like hell by NFL linemen because he's he's got those short arms. And they, other other teams are really taking advantage of that at this point. Uh, don't know where he would end up for the Ravens, whether he'd be a guard or a center. But uh, but if they like him, I'm sure they like him for the for the next uh, for the for the right reasons. Uh, I had him at number 11 on my list. Uh, you know, he's a phone booth guy. That's usually the case with players who have shorter arms. They're like Joe Frazier. They need to get inside and close to Ali to try and beat him up. Uh, and, and they have to take their punches coming in. And that's exactly what they'll what they'll get is a, a long arm treatment from opposing defensive tackles and defensive ends. So uh, we'll see how this works out for uh, for Ben. Uh, you know, he's certainly on my list, of the top 15, but I had him at number 11. My next guy on my list is the number six guy on my list, which is Nick Harris of Washington, uh, a center, 6'1", 302, 32 and and an eighth arms. That's in the danger zone, but it's not quite at the bottom of the danger zone. Uh, This is a round three or four guy. Um, That's where he would represent value, at least. You know, I like a, a shorter center who's still got a fair amount of bulk at 302, is a guy who hopefully is going to keep that better pad level um, and hopefully uh, get to the body of those defensive tackles and and be able to uh, execute the double teams that the Ravens are so central. We've talked about that already. He started all four years at Washington. Um, You know, one thing that I look for, if there's a lot of commonality in scouting reports about how polished the guy is as an offensive lineman, I'm a little bit concerned in Harris's case. Some people have got him higher rated than this, but when I see a really polished lineman where the athleticism or the tools aren't quite there and the arm length for Harris is an issue, size is maybe a slight issue, um, then I worry that the guy's already reached his highest possible level as a lineman. Even good coaching is probably not going to get him uh, much further than this. But I like what he's done at the college level. I certainly like you know the fact that he's been a four-year starter. But uh, but hopefully this is a guy who uh, who can uh, still grow some at the NFL level. Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head with uh, Harris. The main drawback to him seems to be his size and questions on how that's going to translate to the NFL. Because, um, like you said, there's a lot of things he does really well, um, especially when in the run game and with uh, zone blocking and combo blocks. Um, but yeah, I did have him at number eight on my list. And I think his skill set wise would have put him maybe a little higher. But yeah, some real questions about uh, the physical side for him. All right, who's your next guy? So number five and six on my list, we already talked about Robert Hunt and Jonah Jackson. Uh, so I can move to number seven or we can do... Uh, your next one. No, no, no. You, 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 you format is you pick the highest guy remaining on your list. And so we, we, we get the consistency there. So who's your next guy on your list? All right. Perfect. So the next guy I had on my list is a guy I, I like, but I'm not sure he's a really good fit for the Ravens offense in, uh, Matt Hennessy, uh, center from temple, 
307 pounds, 32-inch arms. Um, the highlights on his scouting report is very athletic guy, has uh, quick feet, uh, his head's on a swivel as far as, you know, in the pass blocking game. And I think some things that could work well with that, with the Ravens is, you know, when Lamar's on the move and the offensive line has to improvise and, and create uh, blocking on the fly, that could work well with Lamar, but um, he's really lacking in the, in the power game. Um, the scheme that was run at Temple uh, from what I could see on tape is a lot different than what the Ravens do. Um, he's high football IQ guy, but, He's low on my list because I just don't know if he's a good fit for the Ravens with what they do. All right. I mean, I have real questions about him physically. He's uh, 13th on my list. So he did still make it. He's the last guy among the kind of pure centers who might be there for center ability. But I think he would be a later round pick for the Ravens. He's, you mentioned the level of competition has been a problem. Uh you know, he's a guy who is more quick than he is powerful, although I honestly, I have a problem with that. When somebody's not powerful, it's natural to ascribe quickness to him, I think, just the way it's, you know, so it was pointed out years ago by Bill James once that when a, when a, when a guy is weird, it's, it's normal to associate intelligence with him. And that can often be an incorrect <laughs> assumption. But in this, in the case of, uh, of, um, uh, Hennessy here. I think he's 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 not powerful, so people assume he'd be better in a zone scheme. In any case, the Ravens don't run very much zone. They mo- run mostly power, and they're trying to win and hold their blocks one on one, and 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 get effective double teams on two places on the interior of the line, on many run plays, or particularly the read options where where the run might go middle or it might go to the edge with Jackson. Um, I just I, I don't see him as an ideal fit for that system at all. The only thing that I really would see Hennessy is providing the Ravens is a guy who is a professional center and really understands more about making line calls and 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 observing what defenses are doing and trying to react to that um, uh, with uh, with new blocking assignments and whatnot. Anyway, he's he's a guy. It's it's not that I hate the guy. He's in my top fifteen. I just. I don't. I think somebody else is going to like him more. He'd be a round five guy for me, um, uh, you know, with uh, with where he is on my list. Okay, I need to pick the next guy. Uh, my next guy, and I hope I have the pronunciation of this: Natani Moody of Fresno State. So six three three fifteen. He is a mass of contradictions, literally a mass. Uh, Thirty one point seven five inch arms. That's uh, very very short, um, but. 44 combine bench reps. Now, I think the record might have been 48 or 49 before this year. So he was really upset that he didn't he didn't uh, break that record. But he's also coming off a shoulder injury. 44 bench reps. He had an Achilles injury the year before. So he's effectively played almost not at all the last couple of years. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. There's a very wide range of viewpoints on this guy in terms of where he fits in exactly. But he's, he's an enormous risk. I think it is, is probably one of the biggest questions in this draft is where exactly he goes. Who believes he can be a project or, or even be a day one starter uh, and, and might take him at in as high as the second round, which would just be inconceivable to me. To me, I think he's a, uh, you know, a round three or four guy. The Ravens would probably put a black dot on him for the injury concerns from the last two seasons. Um, 
then again, they may just say his value is too great with who he is because he's obviously overcome the shoulder injury with that huge bench rep number. And Achilles injuries are injuries you overcome you know, kind of naturally. They don't stick with you for years and years. You either get over them or you don't. So uh, hopefully he's, uh, you know, he's a guy who can still play football at this point. I do think he's still a little bit of a project, but uh, but there's so much upside there and so much to love in the run game. You you could really get something special with him. Yeah, he's a high risk, high reward um, pick for all the reasons that you said, um, and that's also kind of the reason why I actually didn't put him on my list. Um, talent wise, yes, he's probably higher than uh, some of these guys, probably especially than some of the guys I have in the bottom five of my list, but uh, I don't know. I'm not a gambler and picking him seems like it could be, you know, a waste of a pick, which I mean, you know, some guys who are have a complete uh, bill of health, you know, will have unforeseen things come up. So um, I wouldn't be upset if the Ravens went that way, um, but I would feel more comfortable if they went with players who had a little little less volatility in in their assessment and back end but um absolutely like you said if the ravens do get him um he does have the potential to be be a steal all right so you get to name the next guy next guy on my list that we haven't talked about is at number 10 shane lemieux i believe is how you say that uh, from Oregon, uh, this guy's 6'4", 308, um, athletic guard who handled uh, double teams very well at Oregon. Um, some scouts say that he's a very physical guy. Others say he needs to improve in that uh, department, um, and there is some some stiffness to him. But, uh, again, another guy who could be a developmental project um, who has some upside in the run blocking department. Yeah. I mean, I'd agree with some of that. He's number 15 on my list. So he barely squeaked in Um, good technical run blocker uh, does some things in the zone scheme in terms of keeping the arm outstretched that are pretty good. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll use his length effectively. I don't think he's a good pass blocker and he's the worst kind of pass blocker is the guy that's almost too big to play inside or too upright and people can get underneath him. And I'm, I'm concerned about a lot of uh, insufficiency of anchor and, and ability against the bull rush for Lemieux to, to really put him higher up. He'd be a project, you know, with good coaching. Maybe he can, he can unlock some of that potential. Maybe even he's a guy who could be a swing guard tackle. And I've got him as a round five or six pick. I, I think the Ravens won't want him as much as other teams do. So some team that's running his own scheme can take him the fourth round. Great. Good luck to you. Um, Cause that's way too high in my opinion to, to take him, but uh, uh, we'll see where he falls. Um, I, I, I don't think he's a, a, a top end prospect, but he did make the, uh, the bottom end of my top 15 list. Next guy on my list is a guy I'm super excited about. And that is uh, guard um, Michael Ueno of Michigan. Uh, 6'3", 344, 34-and-3-8-inch arms, which I believe might have been the longest at the combine among the interior offensive linemen. I don't know that for a fact, but extraordinarily long arms. He is a power scheme guy through and through. He can move 
a man directly. The point is made frequently, and he really shows up on film, is he's almost immune to the bull rush. I mean, he's, he's a guy like Brown who just loves to sit in his anchor and, uh, and do that effectively. Now, that is going to play very well on the inside. Now, I don't want to overstate what that is because you need to have a little bit of lateral quickness to be able to pick up stunts, to be able to pick up a blitzing linebacker, blitzing safety, whatever it might be. But I, I, I will love a guy who can take his opponent one-on-one sit in a, in a bull rush block and force him to go to the outside one direction or the other, because for the Ravens, that's going to create a scramble opportunity for Lamar Jackson. So I think he fits very well with what they do. I think his ability to win, um, I mean, he'll crumble a player in a double team and he'll be able, I hope to move off and move to level two. There is some question about mobility there, but I think he'll overcome that to be able to make very effective level two blocks. Those arms be a huge asset again, getting into level two and being able to outmaneuver the linebackers and safeties there to try and make sure they have to go around him and he doesn't have to lunge in order to make a block. So he can use those effectively, and I'm sure the Ravens can coach him up to do that. Um, then he'll be just unbelievably effective in level two um, in his career. So I, I, I think uh, one of the things I was pleasantly surprised about is he's not a complete plotter with regard to mobility. He's got like Bozeman say, more mobility than was initially reported. So I think he's a he's a guy who could really help the Ravens there, left guard or right guard either. He'll probably play one of those positions. I don't see him being a guy you could use in an emergency at tackle. I don't see him as being a center, but uh, I see him as being one hell of a guard. And um, if the Ravens could get him in round four, I'd probably be more excited by that pick than anybody else. If they used a round three pick on him, their last round three pick, I would not be upset. So uh, I, I think he's a he's a very exciting player uh, to me. I don't even really know for sure how I would. I, I definitely wouldn't be upset if they went ahead of, say, Harris and Muti to draft him. I would not go as high as Robert Hunt. I think he's a clearly better prospect. But Owen was a guy, a lot of value, perhaps a later round guy. There's going to be certain people are just not going to love that huge size. But uh, but I do. And I think he'd really fit the Ravens scheme very well. So this is another place where our lists align. I also had him as the number 11 guy on my list. Um, like you say, uh, as far as just sheer physique, he is very intriguing as to, you know, a guy that big with that long of arms who can, you know, move a little nimbler than some at that size is something that I think any NFL team has to uh, at least take some consideration too, because, you know, you don't always get that. Um, yeah, I think on the flip side of that, though, is, you know, with guys that big, there's always sometimes uh, conditioning questions and quickness questions. Uh, not saying necessarily that that'll be um, an issue he'll have, but um, just something that maybe uh, might give them second thoughts. All right, your turn again. Who's the next guy on your list? So the next guy on my list is um, someone you don't have on yours. And honestly, not a guy I'm super high on. But for me, as we got uh, lower in the prospect list, I was finding it harder to <laughs> figure out uh, guys I was super high on. But um, Keith Ishmael from San Diego State University is a, a guy you're seeing probably go somewhere around fifth to seventh round pick. Um, He's another guy who uh, is 
describe as reliable, can play any of the interior offensive line positions. And uh, kind of the way I look at him is, you know, physically at 6'3", 309, 32-inch arms, he's kind of a guy who um, is probably going to be a backup to spot starter, but doesn't look like a guy who um, would be a high risk of a draft pick. I guess he's kind of someone who would, you would expect to go in there, do everything correctly, but isn't going to be a guy who's going to wow you. And there's value for a player like that, especially in the later rounds when um, sometimes you're just finding, trying to find a guy who uh, will make the team and will add any value. So I'm not sure if he's a guy who's on the Ravens radar, but I think he's someone that they could draft uh, later if they're still looking for a depth guy. All right. Um, I did not have notes taken on him, so I'm going to skip on to my the next guy on my list, uh, who's Kevin Dotson of Louisiana. We mentioned him earlier because he played next to Robert Hunt, uh, who's number five on my list. Dotson is number nine, and six four three twenty one, right guard at Louisiana. What really shows up is that he is a guy with a very powerful upper body, and again. You know, that generation of torque uh, is is it's not entirely the upper body. You have to keep a good base and whatnot, but it really helps since you're pushing and pulling with your arms to be able to twist that guy effectively. It's upper body strength has probably more to do with it. Um, Dotson is uh, uh, a guy, I think, who could open the front gate on poles. He might be a guy you end up being the right guard at some point in the future if powers doesn't work out. Uh, I'm sure he could do other things the Ravens need him to at either at any of the three offensive line interior positions. Uh, he, I don't really consider him a, a, a chance to play tackle at the NFL level. I did not record his arm length here for this, um, but he's quick enough to pull. And that's about all I could say. Um, he's not particularly fast, but uh, but hopefully the footwork will be good enough. Matt Skura, really outstanding in terms of keeping his feet out of the way of pulling guards. He's very special in that regard. He understands the dance steps very well. Um, McCary, less so, but, he, but he's not terrible either. Um, the Ravens have really had some bad centers in the past, and I hate to point out Mike Flynn again, but he's a guy who, who, was, uh, who was quite bad at tripping not only the quarterback but also guards when they pulled uh, in terms of just taking his first step backwards. So I, it Part of that's probably coaching. Uh, anyway, the, guard, the point I'm making is that the guards that they fit in, even if they're a little bit lumbering, are probably not going to be faced with some uh, significant footwork issues from the center that will uh, that will keep them from getting in the right uh, spot. You also have some risk of getting the opposite guard to maybe trip you up, and that's where you really need the guy to, to understand how to pivot and, and being able to, to get that push-me-pull-you with the left and right arm going effectively. Um, for whichever side he's on to make sure that, uh, that he's opening that gates. So anyway, I, 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 I like Dotson, uh, you know, number, number nine on my list, number nine, is that right? Number nine. And uh, I have him right behind the Wayno. So I actually did not have uh, Dotson on my list. So uh, nothing to add for me. <laughs> Okay, sure. Go on to your next guy. All right, so number 13 on my list is Tyler Biedish. Biedish. Mm-hmm. Um from Wisconsin. So this guy's a 
bigger guys, 6'4", 314. Um, a lot of scouting ports you read will point out uh, his, how technical he is, um, has a really good understanding of the center position, um, is a big finisher. And, but some things that kind of put him down on uh, draft lists I've seen as some injury concerns. I think he has a, a shoulder injury he's still coming off of. Um, had some regression in the pass blocking department his senior year, I believe. And if you look at his tape, um, I thought his footwork looked kind of slow. He didn't look like he was super athletic. But uh, if the Ravens do get this guy, um, I think kind of like we were talking about Hennessy, he's a guy who uh, knows how to play the position well. A very, very good comp there for Hennessy. I think he's Biedish is a pr- professional center. Um, uh, he's a guy who will be able to work into level two maybe a little bit more effectively than Hennessy. So I like him more as a hold the back end and also a pin and move guy uh, than I like Hennessy. So that's positive. It's more important to be the guy who can move into level two and make a block. That's more important of the two things. But it is also important to play the back end, which is why I think there are some things with the PFF scoring system that understate the value of the guy left behind on a double team. So, uh, you know, Beatish, I think, could be that guy. Um, I, I think he can he can be the guy who moves to level two. So I think he's, he's, he's fairly... Uh, you know, able to do both these things. The Ravens don't ask the center to pull too much, but I, that also would not be a problem for him. So that's why I like him a little more than Hennessy um, in, in this thing. Uh, I think he, he has some of the same issues of being an inconsistent anchor, and you touched on this, uh, in terms of a pass blocker. And an anchor, as we've talked about, much more important uh, to the Ravens in particular. I mean, I, I would like one guy in the middle who has the lateral quickness to pick up the the whoever the blitzer is. You know, you, you want to have a mix of, of qualities, but basically I, I, I do want a good anchor from the center. A bull rush pressure in the middle uh, can destroy a lot of pass plays, and uh, Jackson's good about keeping his eyes downfield, but uh, that's not the place you want to allow people to uh, be pushing the pocket. My next guy. Okay, so we already did Bredesen, Simpson, Hennessy. We are way down on my list to number 14 now. Logan Stenberg of Kentucky. Very big guy playing guard, 6'6", 317, and then you get to the arm length, 32 and a half inches. By the way, 6'6", 32 and a half inches, that doesn't go together. Uh, it's a very predictable relationship between wingspan, which is where a lot of arm length, uh, you know, would be noticed some is between the length between your shoulders, of course, but, but wingspan is very similar to, um, uh, your, your height it should be, it should be within a couple inches for most people. Um, he probably cannot play tackle with those arms. I mean, I said the same about McCary and he, they tried to use him there in the preseason and there was indications that he might have even put him there during the regular season had, uh, had he done that because he played effectively a cow with shorter arms but I think Stenberg will be a guy who who is a guard for his career, um, and not a swing guard tackle. Even though his feet might be okay for that, um, I don't look at a guy like this with shorter arms, despite the height and even the feet, to be a guy you can effectively convert to play tackle at the NFL level. I think those almost never work. So if they're trying to get a swing player out of it, I think 
it's less likely to succeed. He's still on my list, but I, I don't believe that that uh, that he's a guy they can truly trust to be a guard tackle. Um, you know, I think they'd be getting something less than they really want if they did. But anyway, he's he is number. I'm sorry, he's number 14 on my list out of 15. Yeah, and I did not have him on my list, but I think uh, as we get to the end of the list, it's uh, there's going to be some some guys <laughs> who aren't on the air. So you should have one left because I'm I'm now out, or maybe you have none left. Uh, I do have one left. Yeah, my number uh, 15 guy is Solomon Kinley from Georgia. Um, in some ways, he's uh, has some similarities to. Uh, forgot how to pronounce his name already on Wenu from Michigan. Uh, he's six, three, three thirty seven, um, is a masher in the, in the run game. Um, but you know, why he's lower on people's draft boards and lower on my list is, uh, pass blocking and footwork issues. So, uh, he would be a project the Ravens took him, but, uh, there's some moments on tape where he really looks like a really strong run blocker, but, Again, this guy would probably be a seventh-round pick to uh, to maybe an undrafted guy. Yeah, no, he's a guy I looked at. I did not put him ahead of uh, the guys at the bottom of my list who I'm not really in love with anyway. It's it's kind of a thin class when you go from top to bottom. You know, you got the professional center group. It's almost you could you could you could mark these guys off in Harris, Beadish, and Hennessy who are just not special athletes for center, but are, are you know, are, Harris, I may be unfair putting him in that category, but they're professional centers. you got two really good centers in Ruiz and Cushenberry, who I think deserve a, you know, a fairly high selection there. you got a handful of really good guards, and then you got a bunch of guys who are either projects or they are uh, scary in some way. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. But I, I really look at this as a, a draft where the Ravens will get value in the middle rounds and also where they may have a guy who's completely off our list who they just love, who they pick up in the fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, sixth round. I know they don't have a pick now, but they're going to have a pick in the sixth round, I would bet, at more than even money after they after they make some trades. <laughs> And, uh, and you know, they, they always seem to do a good job with their undrafted players, including McCary this last year, finding a guy who can help them in some specific way. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they, um, if they end up uh, getting a guard that way. Um, but they will – I think everybody agrees they have to draft somebody on the interior offensive line. Uh, the question really is, are there two guys that they like or are there just one? Yeah, and that's kind of the – the takeaway I was taking going through this as well. Um, I will say this is my first year of going this in depth with looking at uh, prospects, like probably a combination between uh, the episode we decided to do for the podcast and, um, you know, not having time to uh, research March Madness matchups uh, in great detail this year, unfortunately. But um, yeah, despite the fact that it's, since I haven't really looked at classes this in depth before I wasn't sure if it was just you know I wasn't used to how many red flags there were with some some players or this generally was a a weak draft at the position but that was kind of the takeaway I took too was that um there's some guys who really know the position some guys who are really 
uh, look well athletically, but um, there's a lot of guys who are almost interchangeable in, in value, as we kind of talked about, and will probably lead the Ravens to taking someone between rounds two and four for the for the first guy they select from this group. Yeah, it's a, maybe looking at the round two guys another way. I mean, there's only two guys in round two that I really that I think are worthy really worthy of a round two pick, and that's Jackson and Ruiz. And for that to be the case, if I'm correct about that, well, there's one eleventh of the starting jobs in the NFL, excluding kickers and punters who don't deserve to be drafted. Generally speaking, one um, eleventh of the NFL jobs are at those positions. Okay, and and it's it's really. And and include center in that. It's it's actually 320 seconds. So if you have 64 picks, you should really have about nine guys in the first two rounds at those positions. And there's only two that I really like. Now, maybe I've got Cushenberry undervalued or maybe Damian Lewis should be up in the end of the second round or Hunt or somebody. But it, it's, it, it is a very thin year for interior offensive line play. And I think that, uh, you know, that really shows up. I, I want to address one other thing you said, though, is – you know, you're missing March Madness. I, I think I look at Thursday night as the biggest oasis in this desert of sports we've had in months. We haven't had any real sports news. We're, we're looking back at things that happened 20 years ago in the Baltimore Sun. We're talking about the draft. We're talking about the upcoming season for the, for the Ravens. Um, there's no NHL or NBA news at this point except for who's got coronavirus. So, so nobody wants to hear that kind of news. I mean, this is just a it should be going to be a wonderful three days of enjoying real new sports news. Oh, absolutely. And um, yeah, I know in years past, I, I do enjoy watching the draft, but um, certainly don't watch it as as closely or as in full as as someone like like yourself or or even Alec do in years past. But I, I think this is probably going to be the, if I look back on the whole history of my life at the end of it, this might be the, the most I'll ever watch the draft because like you said, we're so desperate for, uh, for new sports news and, and actual new live sports of any, any type that's, you know, that, that resembles what sports actually are. I, I don't count that, uh, that virtual horse competition that the NBA put on. It was thinking outside <laughs> of the box, but, but not my thing, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I think especially for those of us who watch sports year-round, I mean, I'm a fan of the Ravens and Orioles and not really a particular NBA team, but I, I enjoy watching the NBA. So this is probably the longest I've gone in my life since I became a sports fan at, at eight years old with without uh, new sports to talk about. So, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, something that we're – I think as a sports community, very excited for more so than we usually would be. Yeah, uh, it, it's certainly been a dearth. We had one question come in while the while the board is on. I think we've largely answered in the show, but why don't you use this opportunity to review each of our top five at the position? Andrew Sakara says, my favorite interior offensive line prospects are Ruiz, Cushenberry, Hunt, Damian Lewis, Biadish, John Simpson, and Ben Bredesen. I would love to get two of these guys. Who do you like, Ken? So why don't we take a chance here? Each of us re review their top five. You can go first there. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show, Peter. But who are your top five in order again? Absolutely. So my top five were uh, Cesar Ruiz, number two, Lloyd Cushenberry, number three, John Simpson, 
number four, Ben Bredesen, and number five, Robert Hunt. And I on when we did the draft preview um, episode last week, I I actually put uh, Cesar Ruiz as the most likely of that group to get drafted by the Ravens. Um, now that I've done some more research and talked to some more people, including you, Ken, um, I'm not 100% sure if I would still say that, but um, I think at the right value, Ruiz would be a good fit. And if this player isn't available in this draft, that's fine. But I feel like the center position is something that the Ravens have kind of neglected a lot. And it's great to find guys who are later round um, and are good values there. But eventually, I think at each position, you need a guy who um, is a Pro Bowl caliber player at that position. I'm not sure if Ruiz is that guy, um, but I trust the Ravens front office to uh, pick him if he is. Um, But if not, then uh, we'll see who they take. (laughs) All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, my top five in order, Jonah Jackson of Ohio State, number one, Cesar Ruiz, Michigan, number two, Lloyd Cushenberry, LSU, number three, Damian Lewis, LSU, number four, and Robert Hunt of Louisiana, number five. Uh, appreciate the question, uh, Andrew, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully be able to take more on the next one we do of these. Uh, really appreciate you coming on, Peter. And I know kind of short notice. I only gave you about a, about three or four days. I know you had already done a lot of this work for the previous podcast. And I appreciate you uh, coming on, sharing your opinions. Tell us, where can people find your work online, Twitter handle, whatever you'd like to give? Absolutely. And thank you for uh, having me, Ken. And uh, thank you for the analytics podcast you put together. I've certainly uh, learned some things since I first discovered your work last September. Um, so yeah, you can find our podcast at ravensrecap.com, um, and you can also find it on uh, several websites where you uh, download podcasts. Wherever you download podcasts, you'll probably find us. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So at Ravens Recap on on Twitter, include them and tag them, and you can include me at Film Study Ravens as well. Uh, wanted to plug one more thing before we get off the air here, and that is. On draft night, we'll be doing a uh, live stream. Um, Michael Crawford is going to do it for me for uh, round one, so you don't want to miss that. He's outstanding. And uh, we'll go through pick by pick. The focus will be how does that pick affect the Ravens? So generally speaking, it's a good thing if quarterbacks get taken. And maybe if there's a run on offensive tackles, that's probably also a good thing. I think a run on cornerbacks would be a terrific thing as well for the Ravens, who are are very well uh, uh, stocked you know, on the back end. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, we'll have a lot of fun with that, I think. And, uh, we'll get uh, pick by pick analysis from Michael. He'll be playing the role of, of Mike Mayock or Daniel Jeremiah. And I'll try and be responding to what he brings up about individual players. And hopefully we'll have a good discussion as we go, but, uh, uh we're going to try and keep up with the pace of the draft itself, which in this first round has tended to be very quickly in the last few quickly in the last few years. Anyway, really looking forward to Thursday night. Thanks for joining us again on this episode of Film Study. We'll see you next time.
Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.